Welcome to the Drop Punters podcast, where we launch into all things NFL fantasy from down under. My name's Jasper Chelopar, and I'm joined by Dan Koppel and Ben Falossi. Firstly, Ben, how did you go in the draft? Because you had pick one, uh, and we've just completed it a few days ago, and I think everyone's looking at your team like, God damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how my team turned out. Obviously, getting the number one pick did help a lot. Uh, so I've obviously picked up first Christian McCaffrey. It's probably the obvious choice. And then I was able to fill the quarterback spot with Josh Allen, uh, my wide receivers, Stefan Diggs. Uh, I've even got some good depth on the bench with guys like Cooper Cup and Mark Davis. I guess the only sort of spot where my team's not as strong would probably be the tight end position. I got Johnny Smith from the Patriots, but I guess besides from that, I'm pretty happy with how my team turned out. Is that some um, fan favorite bias there with the Pats pick? Uh, there was, I think it was him and the fan were left. Yeah. Sort of as the top tight ends at the time. And I had, I had to go with my boy, Johnny Smith. Uh, yeah. I picked up Noah fan actually. It's my, so back up to the Hawk. I reckon the Hawk's going to have a, a big season for, for the Lions. It's probably the only um, offensive weapon I trust there. Uh, Dan, how did you go? Well, I'm part of the reason that Ben had to pick up John Smith because um, with pick seven or pick eight, actually, I got um, Travis Kelsey, um, which I have to say I was quite happy about that he, he got all the way around. And then I got um, yep. Nick Chubb on the, the way back, which was nice. And then I was actually thrilled that Terry McLaurin was there for me at the next turn. Um, yep. That shocked me. I wasn't expecting him to last that long. So I've got a, a nice receiver pairing of him and Woods. Um, and then I actually think the, the receivers are a strong point for me because I've also got DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, um, Antonio Brown, and LaVisca Cheneau on that list. Yep. So that's a, a pretty handy receiver core. Um, well, you, picking- you can imagine my shock. When I saw Alvin Kamara there waiting for me at pick five, somehow he fell to me. We, we've yeah. got that half PPR, um, eight eight man uh, league to anyone horrified at how bad our competitors might be that I, all these guys are falling was, to us. I was very frustrated. Nothing I could do about it at pick eight, but I wasn't happy <laughs> yes. that it got all the way down. Well, I was I was planning to ruin the your idea to pick up Kelsey, and I was going to take him at five. So it kind of worked out for you as well, I guess. Yeah, it did. Um, and, and receivers, uh, running backs are an area that I'm probably quite good with second tier guys, but probably missing that top end talent. Um, I've got Nick Chubb and then David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, who we talked about last week as we've got some reservations on, but I picked him up in the ninth round, at which point he's not being overdrafted. Yes. He's just yep. being drafted. Um, and then Zach Moss and Trey Sermon, who we, we talked about late last week. And, and well. you stole Sermon from me. But that's probably where we differ the running backs is I've probably got yeah, close to three RB1s almost with Kamara, then Austin Eckler as my second pick. And then Clyde edwards fell to me around pick 28 or so in the draft. So I'm happy to scoop him up there. Even though he was my bust uh, last week on the pod, I, I said, you know, if he's being drafted in the teens, that's too high for me. But I'm at 28. I'm happy to scoop him up. That's where... The really interesting part of it is because we talked off air about the fact that we wanted to kind of nail down a flex strategy um, and your draft and my draft kind of really reflect the different options that you have yeah. as a flex because I've got a receiver stack basically and I'm a bit light on backs and you've got the running back stack um, and you're probably a little bit light on the receivers to an extent. So having that makes a big difference and um, I'm not looking at Ben's team at the moment partly because I'm 
terrifying. No, yeah, my it's absolutely, it. <laughs> yeah. The fact that Stefan Diggs fell to him after picking up Christian McCaffrey, uh, that is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be having words with the rest of the league on that, but it is a chance to really talk about what you should be looking for in a flex. Um, and my school of thought on a flex has always been kind of three key points. In that you want to have the best matchup um, of your options and you want to be having them later in the weekend and you want someone talented. It's probably not your flyer or your upside pick or your, your guy you've grabbed off the waivers this week. If, if they're just a bit of a flyer, you probably want them sitting on your bench for the yep. week. Um, so this week, my toss-up for my flex is between DJ Moore and Julio Jones. Um, Julio is obviously coming off an injury. DJ Moore's playing in Carolina with Sam Donald, who is at best an unproven quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe but, better than Bridgewater. We'll see. Yeah, we, we will see. But I've gone with DJ Moore partly because um, they're both playing late in the weekend. Um, so it doesn't really make a huge difference. But DJ Moore is playing against the Jets, who last year were poor against wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos. And we're not exactly sure how the Carolina offense is going to work this year with Donald. Um, he's got Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are kind of his two. We're just not sure in which order, but I'm pretty confident that either way, there'll be something there going for them. And week one is the hardest week to pick your flex for. After that, you've got an idea of how teams are going to line up. You've got an idea of what's going to work and what's not. And it's probably a different conversation in a week's time. But for now, that's kind of the school of thought as to where I'm going. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dan and I differ a little bit there. Just considering who we, how we draft, I, I probably go running back heavy to start off. Ben, how do, you, how do you historically kind of use your flex spot? Has it been wide receivers? Uh, I'd like to have a bit of a mix of running backs and wide receivers on my bench. Uh, purely for the reason of depending on who they're playing that week. I think it gives me a good amount of flexibility. Um, yeah, and l- last year especially, I think I had more running backs, but that was just based on the, the waiver wires and a few rookies like James Robinson and Miles Gaskin going getting more playing time, that that sort of went my way. At the moment, I've got Gus Edwards sitting in my flex, and that's just because Baltimore really don't have any running backs now, and he's pretty much the, the only guy there. So I sort of was just forced into making that move. I think it would have been, you know, a bit foolish on me if I went and picked someone else over him, especially considering they're playing um, Vegas and we're not really sure what to expect yeah. from Vegas this season. Can we That's talk Gus, about the, the fastest fact, team. Can we talk about the fact that um, Ben has Cooper Cup and Sony Michelle that he's not playing in his flex this week? <laughs> like, that's talent that starts in most leagues in either your running back two or your wide receiver two. And he's yeah. got them on the bench because they're not even the number three. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's absurd. <laughs> I think having the uh, eight team did help a little bit. I think uh, obviously people would have 10 or 12 league, or ten or twelve team leagues. Um, they probably wouldn't have the same luxury from that point of view. But, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely happy with my bench options. Well, in a few days' time, we're going to be embarking on one of the traditions of draft um of, of fantasy football which is you, you're looking at your your waiver wire and and you've seen an, a running back is has lighted up and and we probably didn't expect it from the preseason or a running back has gone down like Dalvin cook will in week two we imagine so who are these kind of handcuffs that that are gonna give us an opportunity to to play on field soon enough because they're they've 
they've got you know eighty percent of snaps uh, once they once the running back in front of them has gone down on their team, Dan. Well, I mean, it, it's really interesting. It's obviously always hard to predict which backs are going to struggle and, and go down and, and that. Um, and so you you probably don't want to be too far ahead of the curve. But the idea is that you want to know who is the second choice back in all the offenses because at some point a running back is going to go down injured and someone is going to step in and there's your chance to kind of get ahead of the competition, especially if your name's not Ben Felosi and you don't already have a loaded team. Um, for those of us, someone like me, who's a little bit light on running back depth, I'll be watching carefully to see um, who backs up, particularly Gus Edwards. He's one that I'm really curious about because there's not a lot of depth behind him. They've signed Le'Veon yeah. Bell to the practice squad, but I still think he's going to be the number three choice, not the number two choice. Um, Tony Jones Jr. is someone who you were quite keen on, Jasper, right? Yeah, well, th- this has come after Latavius Murray got cut by the Saints, which uh, insiders at the Saints probably say that wasn't all too surprising considering how well Tony Jones has been playing in the preseason. Uh, and, and we saw him get the the bulk of of snaps from the backfield, which is maybe a little bit of surprise. We usually Alvin Kamara picks up, you know, about 40% of, of the backfield snaps and, and rushes, which is uh, around about where you'd expect considering how much he does um, out of the backfield and, and in receiving. So I think Tony Jones could pick up the rest of those. If he gets over 50% of snaps, He's an automatic guy that you want on your bench and, and he'll be gone off waiver, waiver-wise really quickly. He's already gone up to about 5% ownership um, after the news that Latavius Murray did get uh, his contract uh, kind of t- kind of torn up. But it'll be interesting to see where he ends up as well because he could be a guy that goes to Baltimore to back up uh, Gus the bus, which, will be, um, which would kind of decrease his value and, and a bit of value that Ben got in the draft as well. Yeah, well, and... and- the other guys that I'm kind of really conscious of, of having a look around at Josh Kelly at the Chargers, because um, Austin Eckel is under a bit of an injury cloud. He always um, is. At the moment. <laughs> and Devontae Booker at the Giants, who's backing up Saquon. Um, he's definitely going under the radar at the moment. I think he's going to see 40 to 50% of snaps this week. Um, and it will decrease, but we've seen Saquon have some injury problems. The two that kind of pop up every year and have proven to be super handy on the waiver wire over the years are Tony Pollard at the Cowboys and Alexander Madison, who back up Zeke Elliott and Dalvin Cook, respectively. Um, They're both behind solid offensive lines. They've both put the production down when they've had the chance. And if either of those guys go down, they will be right at the top of my wish list. Well, we've alluded to a couple of our busts for week one that we may be talking about a little bit later on, but let's get into the first segment of the year. It's our Sipos's starters. Trying to punt it away for Auburn. He can kick the ball, young Sipos. He's a good kick. Obviously, Aaron Sipos picked up by the Philadelphia Eagles after the draft as a free agent um, out of Auburn from, from drop punter with the Saints, one of our own. Uh, in the AFL to punter with the Eagles in the NFL. We can't wait to see him on the big stage. Let me throw it to you, Ben, first. You've got one, a running back and a wide receiver that should not be on benches this week. They should be in your flex or in your on your field to start for week one. Yeah, so I've got Sonny Michel, um, and it's kind of awkward because I am going to leave him on the bench this week. 
But um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so obviously Cam Akers, he's he's not playing. He's got his Achilles, and the only real other competition is Daryl Henderson. And I feel like that there's a reason the Rams did trade for him. Um, they clearly see him as, as a useful player. And he's, he's coming off a really, really productive season last year where he actually averaged 5.7 yards a carry, which was better than guys like Derek Henry, Aaron Jones, and even Nick Chubb. So I think that he's definitely a good pickup. And with Sean McVay's offense, you know, you know it's going to be dynamic. You know lots of things are going to go happen. So... I think he could be a really good guy to start, uh, even in your flex position or even running back too. Well, what do you reckon, Dan? I think there's a, there's a slightly more value in non-PPR leagues, but there's also so much value considering he, he did get traded to the Rams and he's probably going to get about 50% of snaps, I'd expect. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's that, but also I think that we've forgotten how good that Rams O-line is. I mean, they made Todd Gurley an MVP candidate. Um, they made Daryl Henderson look and Cam Akers look really good last year. Yep. Sony Michelle, we know, is a powerful runner. If he gets downhill, he's really hard to stop. Uh, and I think that behind that O-line, he's going to have a few yards before contact already. So you're looking in for a fair effort. Um, and even if he only gets about 50% of snaps, he's not getting those catches. I think with McVeigh's offense, he's going to rack up the yards and he's really solid. And if Ben wants to make him available for trade, I'll definitely snap him. <laughs> yeah, I think McVeigh will love having Sony there and he's a great pickup by the Rams. You've got a wide receiver as well who we probably all agree with. I'm definitely starting him, um, Ben, in Tyler Lockett. Uh, yeah, so they're playing the Colts this week, which obviously is an, an amazing matchup. But I think uh, obviously after DK Metcalf's breakout season last year, he's going to be getting the bulk of the attention, which may leave Lockett more open. And also with the improved O-line uh, for Russell Wilson, I think he's going to have a lot more time to, to survey the, the defense and sort of survey what the offense is. And um, they're definitely going to be able to go and pick out those passes a lot better than what they did last season. So I think Lockett would be quite a good choice. And also he did show an ability to go big some games last year, especially on deep routes. Yeah. It, it felt like he was kind of the definition of boom or bust from, from week to week. And it, it was very dependent on who they were coming up against. Against an Indianapolis Colts side that we don't really expect to do too much, they will probably finish second in their division still. But, you know, the Seahawks, they've got to pick up wins, you know, as, as soon as they can, considering their division that, the, the division that they're in. Uh, I expect them to come out all guns blazing. Like you said, DK is definitely option number one. But Tyler Lockett just finds the ball in the end zone so often. And, and he's the kind of guy that can pick up two or three touchdowns in a game like this where, where points could be flowing for Russell Wilson. Well, and I think also um, the Colts last year had Rocky Sin, who was a really good quarterback. Uh, but their second quarterback was a bit of a weakness for them. And I think Sin will go to DK because we've seen just how damaging he can be. So Lockett probably gets... Uh, bracket coverage, maybe he gets a bit of uh, second cornerback and that gives him a real chance to kind of get away and make some some big plays. So I'm pretty excited. Plus, he's always a chance on a, a kick return or a punt return if, he, if he's there to, to take it to the house and rack up those six points for you. Well, let's get to one of the best waiver wire pickups of last season. That was James Robinson. Dan, you're, you're big on him in week one against the Texans. I am. So I think that he's going to be the, the bell cow for the Jags. Um, and I think that this is as much about the Jags as it is about the Texans. So they're playing the Texans, who I expect to be poor 
this season against the run, against the pass, on offense, on special teams. I think generally, <laughs> you name it. <laughs> generally, I don't have a lot of faith in them. Um, but I think with the Jags starting Trevor Lawrence for the first time, he's a rookie. They're going to want to try and keep him kind of calm and safe and, and relaxed. And a big part of that is going to be a strong running game. I don't know who they're going to throw to, um, which is why when we get back to to the next segment, I'll be staying away from those Jags receivers. But James Robinson is going to be a really important safety blanket for Lawrence. And I think they're going to get ahead early as well. And at that point, we're going to start to see the run game try and chew up the clock and the field. And, and that's going to be James Robinson. So they're going to put the ball in his hands. And that's why I'll be starting him where I've got him. And there, there won't be many opportunities for the Jags to be able to do this this year, considering they probably won't be a great team. Uh, so in games like this, when James Robinson will have the ball in the fourth quarter, most likely because they'll be up, um, you want to take advantage of him. Definitely on field. I mean, most uh, most teams will be starting him on field anyway, but this is such a good matchup for him. And he'll, he'll probably get one of his best returns of the season in week one to start out uh, for teams uh, your wide receiver is a guy who, who put up some big numbers a few seasons ago. It probably hasn't lived up to those numbers since, but it's hard to. Yeah, well, I mean, Adam Thielen came out like a house on fire um, early on, and he's still been super consistent and super valuable for the Vikings, even with the emergence of Justin Jefferson. And I, I don't think he's going to be quite as good this season, but this week one matchup is with the Bengals and let me tell you, throughout the year, when my players have matchups against the Bengals, I will be taking matchups against the Bengals. <laughs> they're, yep. they're another team that I don't think is going to be great. And so he's going to be someone I'd be looking to start this week. Um, I think it's going to be one of his strongest weeks. And you've got a, a similar boat with one of your picks for Sipos and starters. Yeah, well, it's an interesting situation at, at the 49ers. Firstly, we probably expect... Jimmy G to be starting. I think that's been unofficially confirmed uh, by the 49ers. Uh, and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, they're kind of similar in terms of what we can expect from the from, from a fantasy perspective. I've got them both on my bench and I'm, I'm trying to figure out which one it is. And I'm kind of leaning towards Debo Samuel. I think he is the starter out of, out of the two simply because of these Ayuk hamstring concerns. I'm not sure he'll, he'll play too many more snaps than, than we would come to expect of, of him last season uh, when he was healthy. And Jimmy G loves to find Debo in the, in the flats uh, and against a Detroit Lions team that will often find itself in, in 1v1 coverage against him. He, he beats his man more often than not, and he can gain real good yards just off the catch um, after the reception. So I expect him to have a really good game against the Lions. And the same can be said about his, his teammate Raheem Mostert. He's kind of the guy that, that you want to play him while he's still healthy because you don't get too many games out of him in a year. But when you do, he can put up really big numbers. We saw it um, in that you know divisional, uh, sorry, conference final against the Packers two years ago when he put up three or four touchdowns against a decent Packers um, defense. So we know what he's capable of, and he's gonna you know kind of start to relinquish more and more snaps to Trey Sermon as the season goes on. So week one could could be his. Uh, best kind of output for the entire season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that a lot of people do forget how good the San Francisco 49ers were in 2019. And especially now having that defense all back, I think that they're going to have the ball in their hand for a lot of a lot of the game, which obviously means 
you know, plenty of more opportunities to go put up points. And, and we we did speak about Gus the bus before Gus Edwards against the Raiders, who would give up a lot of uh, a lot of points at the line of scrimmage. And it's a good opportunity before Le'Veon Bell kind of acclimatizes as well. He's still in the practice squad before they pick up Latavius Murray. If that if that kind of happens, I think he's going to take you know eighty percent plus of snaps. Uh, the Raiders they give up a lot, and and right now you want to grab the early season value that you got on on drafting Gus a little bit below what his ADP probably should have been uh, because of that J.K. Dobbins uh, injury. So I think you know Gus is an obvious start right now. I think you're going to be starting in Ben in our league, which is probably a good decision, but. I mean, you have so much depth, depth like Sony Michelle um, on your bench that you can't really go wrong right now. Jordan Mailata, Jordan Mailata, Jordan Mailata. Let's get on to Mailata's matchup, Miss. Jordan Mailata will be the starting left tackle for the Philly Eagles this year, Dan. How good. Six foot eight, former rugby league player from Sydney of Samoan descent. So shout out to him. Uh, can't wait to see him uh, on the big stage again. He, he's been you know, kind of a project for them after being taken with pick. I think it was 133 or something like that. Um, so I, I can't wait to see what, what he produces. Uh, and, and let's get into your guys who, who you're probably going to be benching this, this week. Yeah. So um, I'm not sold on any of the Jags receivers this week. We mentioned that James Robinson's going to get a fair bit of the ball, but, I think that we don't know yet who Trevor Lawrence's safety blanket's going to be. We don't know how the matchups are going to look, and we don't know really what the depth chart looks like. So I'll be steering clear of anyone on the Jags uh, in the receiving core this week. I've got LaVisca Chanel on my bench, but I will be kind of not starting him until I'm sure about where Trevor Lawrence has him. The other one, the other matchup that I'm not thrilled about is Miles Gaskin um, for the Dolphins. I know really. That- I think the Pats defense is going to be a lot better this year than it was last year. They've got a lot of guys back from COVID opt-outs um, and they've picked up guys like Matthew Judon as well. So they're going to be able to stop the run. And if there's one thing we know that Belichick likes to do is he likes to take away the opposition's main weapon. And given that the other options are Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle, Waddle, Um, I think they're going to go Gaskin and force the ball into Tua's hands and make him throw. I think that's the way that I'd try and beat the Dolphins, which is what Belichick's going to do. So Miles Gaskin, for me, I think he's going to have a pretty quiet outing this weekend. Have you given some consideration to his ability to to kind of catch out of the backfield as well? I feel like that's something that kind of flies under the radar with Miles Gaskin. I, I know he can do it, but I think Belichick's going to make sure that they pay attention to him. Um, we saw last year occasionally guys like Chase Winovich drop into coverage. Um, on running backs, we know Dante Hightower, who's back, can do it as well. So I think that they've got a plan for it. I wouldn't pretend to be inside Belichick's head in terms of what he's actually going to do, but I'd assume he's got something planned. And I think they're going to make it about Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki this weekend. And, and while we're here, talk us through Juju. Is he <laughs> going to be relevant this season at all, let alone in this week? <laughs> well, I mean... I think he's going to be one of the lead receivers for the Steelers. Um, but this week it's about Tredavious White. Um, he's the number one quarterback. He's had the wood on Juju previously, and that's just not a matchup that I like. Um, Tredavious White's one of the best corners in the game. He's going to follow Juju around all afternoon, and I think it's going to be a pretty quiet one for the TikTok star. Ben, you've got a guy who I... Look... We know we know what he is now, and there's no you know, 
he plays for the Browns and, and he's not Odell Beckham, um, but it is Jarvis Landry. And I think he could go all right against the Chiefs. I think this could be a bit of a track meet, but you, you think otherwise. Um, yeah, I just don't have a whole lot of faith in Jarvis Landry, especially with Beckham coming back. I think that um, coach Kevin Stefanski might want to go get Beckham a bit more involved in the offense. Um, as we saw last season before he got injured, he didn't really seem to sort of fit into their offense. Um, but I, I think that definitely they'll want to try and get him involved because obviously he, he's such a weapon. Um, and especially with this, we've got aspirations to be, you know, Super Bowl contenders. I think having Beckham, you know, him and her, Baker having a good connection will um, obviously help a lot. And also the Browns do have a very heavy run game. I don't see them swaying away from that at all. Um, and Landry last season only scored three touchdowns and had his lowest receiving um, season. And he did play 15 games. So I just, I don't have a whole lot of faith in him to be a starter at the moment. You make a compelling case. I still ben. like Jarvis. And, and I think this may be uh, a bit of spite out of last season, Ben. <laughs> um, yeah, I did bring him in about halfway through last season and it wasn't great. Um, especially with Beckham out, I was hoping that he would, you know, step up a little bit and he didn't really step up at all. And I had a lot of weeks where he wasn't hitting uh, double digits and it did, probably did cost me some games. So maybe there is a little bit of spite involved, but I think that the stats don't lie either. I mean, it, it's hard to argue with, but I do think there is still an element of that that personal thing because I, I I don't hate Jarvis's matchup this week, but Jasper, you've got one um, in particular at receiver that we oh, yeah. all agreed on that was not a matchup that we wanted I to see. I despise this matchup, and I despise every matchup uh, that Jalen Ramsey is involved in. It, and it's going to be Allen Robinson this week, the the Bears' number one receiver. He's going to deal with Jalen Ramsey all game. Uh, and do you think that Andy Dalton's going to find him with the ball um, enough for it to, to even be worth starting a guy that who a lot of a lot of teams could poss- possibly have it wide receiver one, let alone wide receiver two right now, Dan? So I um, actually think that I might have. Oh no, I don't. I don't have Alan Robinson. I was worried for a second that I did, and I was forced <laughs> into starting him because. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, he's in the same. Jalen Ramsey's ahead of, if not the same as uh, Tre'Davious White. That's a a cornerback at whom I am not risking anything with fantasy. I don't think that it's worth playing a receiver who's going to be taking that matchup because it's a rough afternoon. And even if they get off the chain, that's not something that I want to be hanging my hat on because it's not reliable or predictable at all. So I'm totally with you, and even more when you think about the quarterback situation in Chicago. Yeah, and Robinson had an outstanding season last year, uh, considering, you know, he hasn't had a great quarterback to throw the ball to him. Uh, he's He's been exceptional, but this just this just doesn't work for him in week one. Week two, 100% get him on your field, but I don't think it, I don't think he can be in your starters for week one with, with dealing with Jalen Ramsey all game long. And another one I'm going to, I'm going to touch base on, and this is might be more eight man leagues, maybe even 10 man leagues. If you're bold, I'm I'm not big on Saquon Barkley to start this season at all. Uh, yes, it's a shallow league thing, but this Broncos defensive line is very good. You've got Von Miller coming back in, uh, who, who reads you know every single play as well as anyone in the league. I know he's, he might be a couple of years past his prime, but he's still an exceptional defensive player. I don't think Saquon Barkley takes more than fifty percent of the snaps for for the Giants in Week One. 
he only just put pads on um, this week ju- to practice. So I'm not even sure he's ready to, to suit up for a game in general. Um, and, and for me, for the next you know four or five weeks, he's going to be a week-by-week basis to see what his matchups are, how he's tracking during the week, um, what he did in the previous week. Do you agree with me here, Ben, or is it am I overreacting to to the injury and he'll come back and be the same old Saquon? Um, I couldn't agree anymore. I feel like last season, the little sample size we got, it wasn't very promising. Um, he had 19 carries and only went for 34 yards. So that's that's pretty dismal, especially for some from his talent. And I think that the offensive line that the Giants have, I just I don't have a lot of faith in it. I think that's part of the problem is that He's, he might get the rushing attempts, but can they block for him? And, yeah, that Denver defense, I think Denver might have a point to prove this season. They were pretty disappointing last season, so I think that they're going to want to come out this season and look a little bit more competitive. And the Giants are a pretty easy team, I guess, to do that, or a pretty easy matchup to do that against. Yeah, I think this Broncos defense is, is one of the most underrated in the league. Uh, I reckon they're going to have a point to prove, like you said. And I think they're going to you know, make the most of their, their home field advantage in week one and, and get a pretty good win over the Giants. Let, let's get into kind of what this boils down to. And it's who we're starting in our own league. Uh, so there's probably we probably all have been tossing up what to do with, with the, an RB2 or wide receiver 2 or a flex spot in our, in our own teams coming into week one matchups. Uh, Dan, what's the big question for you coming into this? I mean, we, we touched on it earlier um, in that my flex spot is kind of one of my big questions this week. So I'm actually going to go somewhere else, and, and that's my running back too. Um, I've currently got David Montgomery sitting in that spot, um, which is an okay matchup, but because I think he's going to get a lot of touches. Yeah, The downside is that, there's a guy called Aaron Donald in yeah. that defensive line. <laughs> He's running straight and, into him. <laughs> and last I checked, that wasn't a matchup that everyone loved. Um, my other running back options are DeAndre Swift, Zach Moss, and Trey Sermon. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of tossing up. DeAndre Swift is one that I'm thinking about. But again, he's got Nick Bosa on that D-line, and I'm not sold on that. So it might be Montgomery, or I might toss up and end up throwing Zach Moss in and, you know, there's a great irony to that, given us talking up Devin Singletary <laughs> yeah. last week. But, no, I believe um, I was talking up Zach Moss. <laughs> Zach Moss against Pittsburgh, and I don't know that TJ Watt's going to play. Um, there's still a bit of doubt about that. So um, that will be my toss-up this week. And as you can tell, based on the fact I still haven't decided, um, that's, yeah, my big question for the week. So you given no love to Trey Sermon against the Detroit Lions. You think his role probably isn't large enough in this offense yet to justify it? I think that Raheem Mostert will still get the the lion's share of the early carries. Um, yep. If Mostert doesn't uh, stay healthy, and I think the longer the season goes, the more Sermon's going to get. I think once he shows what he can do in the regular season, he'll pick up more carries and it might be a committee um, as long as they're all healthy. But for now, I'm going to stay clear. And he was kind of one of the guys that took a late flyer on in the draft because it gives me an early look at him and it keeps him off your roster and stole him <laughs> from my grasp. <laughs> Good reasons to pick a guy early on. So that's why he's there. But um, yeah, I'll toss that up. What about you, Ben? Who's the, the big question for you this week? Uh, my team's kind of pretty set in stone, especially with Gus <laughs> Edwards obviously being and, um, named as the starting running back. 
Um, I think the one thing that maybe could be a little bit of my sort of toss-up, I guess, might be at the wide receiver position. I do have Sidney Lamb, who I am starting at the moment, but I am slightly worried about that Dallas-Tampa game, and Tampa might make it look pretty ugly for them. And I just, and also with Dak as well, like I'm assuming he's going to come back and, you know, throw a, a lot of yardage. But I've just, I've got my questions, and I do have guys like Cooper Cup and uh, Courtney Sutton on the bench who they, they might actually offer slightly better value just because they've got slightly easier matchups. But I think that, I think it's hard not to start CeeDee Lamb just because of the potential, but I guess that's something that I'm sort of going to have to work out pretty quickly with the first game tomorrow. This, yeah, this CD Lamb potential is so high. Um, and we're going to, you know, we're going to find out very soon. Um, at the time of recording, you know, we're only a few hours away from, from the game starting and the season starting. But, you know, CD Lamb from all reports has had an incredible preseason. Uh, and, yeah, and hard every, not to accept that. Yeah. <laughs> that, those are the reports I was looking at as well. <laughs> and and um, I, I can't wait to see what he produces. I think he's going to be the wide receiver one on this side. I think Dak will be looking at him, looking for him at every opportunity. Not sure Zeke will get more than about 50, 55% of the snaps as well. So I think, CD, you got to back him in in week one, see what he's made of. Yes, it's a tough matchup, but uh, his pedigree and, and what he can produce, I think, is, is sky high. So you want to have that on your field just in case he does go off for me. I'm dealing with an injury concern already, and I'm not surprised, but it's Austin Eckler. And I don't, uh, it gives me a, an opportunity because I have Clyde Edwards Hilaire as my, uh, as my flex, which is, which is an absolute luxury. I could shift him in and then, and then go with, uh, with the Debo Samuel or a Brandon Ayuk against the Lions, which is, you know, an awesome matchup. If Eckler is fit, I, I want to be playing him, but I'm not too sure how many snaps he's going to be producing. If he has a hamstring and it's happened within the week, of of um of games starting, I I'm not convinced that he takes too many snaps, even if he is fit and firing and, and gets another full practice in. Uh, it, it's definitely a wait and see. But the toss up between Eckler getting sixty percent of snaps and Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk with with eighty plus percent of of snaps, I think you know it, it's pretty marginal where which way that could lean. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think of Eckler coming up against uh, Washington. I think that really it could it could be a slightly dangerous matchup, uh, especially for him if he you know he's got the injury. It might be safer just to you know not not make him run as much because that Washington defensive line is dangerous, and you know they've got they've got some young young bucks there, and they they are hungry to hurt someone. So <laughs> young, yeah. young wait, wait, young players ready to chase. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> no, Dan. <laughs> All right. What are we most looking forward to from week one? It's been a long off-season, a long pre-season, and we finally got football on the doorstep. So, you know, it's the most exciting time of the year. What are we looking forward to the most, Dan? Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how young Tom Brady looks. Um, I still think he oh, might which be one's that than, one? <laughs> he, he might be younger than Zach Wilson. Um, but I'm also really looking forward to the rookie quarterbacks. It's been a while since we had three really exciting rookies starting at quarterback in week one. This week we've got Trevor Lawrence for the Jags, Mac Jones for the Pats, Zach Wilson for the Jets. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's two guys waiting in the wings pretty strongly in Justin Fields and Trey Lance. So 
I'm looking forward to seeing how the rookies go. I think at least one of them is really going to play well and uh, set the world on fire this week. From all indications of preseason, this this quarterback class is unbelievable. We could genuinely have five superstars on our hands here. I'm not too sure which one's going to be the best, and they're all they're all so different in what they offer. I'm looking forward to seeing Mac Jones the most. What about you, Ben? As as our resident Pats fan, I assume it's probably the same. Uh, yeah, I'm really keen to see Mac Jones in action. He was really good in preseason. Um, so I, I honestly just can't wait, especially against the Dolphins uh, division matchup. So I think that, you know, the rest of the team will have a, a bit of a point to prove and hopefully that rubs off onto him. And what are you looking forward to the most? Is it a matchup or, or a player in particular? Uh, it's the Titans-Cardinals matchup. I don't have any players from either team, but I just think that the game could be an absolute shootout with both teams having really dynamic offenses, but their defenses aren't great. Um, and I think there could be a lot of points up for grabs for the wide receivers, running backs, and even uh, both QBs, because we've seen that Tannehill and uh, Carla Murray, they, they both don't mind running the ball. And yeah, those, the wide receiver talent as well on both teams is, is pretty insane. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw 500 yards of rushing in this game. Yep. Um, it's it's going to yeah. be on the ground a lot, yeah. <laughs> the Cardinals love to run with that option offense with Murray, and then they've got that backfield of Edmonds and James Connor. And we know the Titans are happy to give the ball to Derrick Henry. <laughs> it's only one him a, a rushing a rushing title two years in a row and two thousand yards last year. So we could see two five hundred, maybe even six hundred rushing yards in this game. I think, um, which will be a lot of fun unless you're playing on defense. <laughs> I, I think if Kyler Murray can push his Cardinals up into like a, a top two spot in their in their stacked division, we could be having an MVP candidate on our hands uh, because what he does on the ground is exceptional. If he if he can improve his passing a little bit, um, and, Gion, and DeAndre Hopkins can continue to to produce at the level he has over the last few years, then absolutely, I think Kyler Murray is in the MVP conversation. Another guy that I'm keen to see come into this MVP conversation is Justin Herbert. And he had, you know, one of the great rookie campaigns after, you know, coming in early on. Uh, is it going to be MVP Herbert or is it going to be second year blues? We're going to find out. I, I can't wait to, because this Chargers team is exceptional. They've, they've put everyone around him for him to succeed. Um, and so far he's, he's shown that, you know, he's the guy and, and he's going to make it all happen. Hopefully it continues because I love watching him. I love watching this Chargers side. My other one is I'm just excited to see how many touches Alvin Kamara is going to get with no Michael Thomas and then no Latavius Murray as well. So, yeah, he, he could he could get 35 touches a game right now out of the backfield, catching and rushing. I, I'm excited to see what he can do against the Saints. Um, sorry, against against the Packers. I think that game's been moved to Jacksonville as well due to due the um the hurricane. So uh we're gonna it's gonna be outdoors instead of indoors. That might mean some more rushing yards for him. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to see Alvin Kamara put up uh, another big game after what we saw um in week 16 last season. Yeah, absolutely. But Jasper, I can tell you that this is how the charges are going to go. They are going to look awesome for the first 55 minutes of every game this season. Then they're going to start to combust and as time expires, miss a field goal that would be the game. 
And this isn't charges. season 2020. <laughs> or 2019, or 2018, yeah. or 2017. <laughs> this is a story we know. <laughs> Look, it feels like Justin Herbert's the guy that can execute. We didn't quite see it in the rookie season. He got unlucky with a few different things. And, you know, a couple guys around him didn't quite make the play. But I feel like Herbert's the guy. He's the next face of the league after Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, that's a big call, but... What what have you seen from him that makes you think otherwise? Because he's produced every single game. Oh, it's it's not him that I have any concerns about. <laughs> it wasn't Philip Rivers that I had concerns about while he was there. It's the rest of that team. Um, and Derwin James might be the difference. He's back this year and he's a phenom. Um, but I still do not trust the Chargers to kick field goals late in games. That's what it comes down to. And until they prove otherwise, I will continue to doubt that. Well, football is around the corner. We can't wait for it all to start. And we can't wait to recap it all as well as we look forward to each week over the NFL season. Uh, This has been the Drop Punters podcast. You can follow us at Drop Punters pod on Twitter. We are a product of the Inner Sanctum. You can find all of our fantasy football content at theinnersanctum.com.au. Good luck in week one and we'll catch you next week.